The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support the show. But for now, welcome, welcome to, to the, the Legendarium. Ryan, are you Ryan's, sexting right now? Ryan's on it. Ryan is like really engrossed in his phone. He's I've got a nev- face. If there's if there's no naked women on there, then I've never seen somebody stare so hard at a screen for any other reason. <laughs> not. Ugh. Take two. Guys, I really dig those. So six six minutes in, and we've got to restart this thing. So welcome to the legendarium, I guess. <laughs> Whatever. I, I didn't I didn't push the button, so no sound was recording. It's like magic. Electronics are like magic. And you should have heard Ken gave us the most in depth discussion about how this helped form his sexuality. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. It was amazing. I was I was both touched and afraid. I know. Yeah. To these days, I can't look at at, at dragon lizard things. And, I I will never look at frogmen the same. Way. Yeah, uh, the the marsh wiggle has taken on a whole new meaning. For <laughs> right. Me. Oh, okay. I can't so, believe you had that tattooed on your thigh. <laughs> it's uh, only my inner thigh. <laughs> it's it's worse if it's in French and it's his crease. <laughs> uh, okay, so welcome to the legendarium, everybody. My name is Craig Hanks, and I'm your echoey host. We're in the new studio. Uh, the new studio is looking good, but it's certainly not looking done. So if you if it sounds a little bit. Uh, unfinished that's because it's unfinished uh so bear with us on this but anyway uh welcome i am craig your host and over there his breath is more powerful than aslan's but i assure you it has nothing to do with his divinity it's ryan bruckman would you like me to make a joke about no nope. okay no that we're nope. gonna move past that no nope. no cliff blowing that's fine and he's as gloomy as a marsh wiggle and twice as awkward it's ken johnson and i'm as pleasant to be around as a dwarf Sure, sure. Uh, so, yeah, welcome everybody. Uh, just as always, I will mention, please go to thelegendarium.reddit.com and join the conversation. I'll put up a post-episode discussion thread there uh, so that you can yell at us for all of our incorrect views about uh, Narnia. Or talk about how right we were. That could happen once sometime. Ken, you don't pay attention, do you? <laughs> you no, you don't. Um, and go to the le- or sorry, go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show. Thank you everybody who does so there. And if you're not able to do that, that's fine. I understand that uh, financial aid is not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Uh, but you can go to the legendarium on iTunes and leave a review. There have been some really good reviews. I think what I might do, because uh, we'll get into why in just a moment, but I feel like this may be a pretty short episode. Um, I think I'm going to pull up the iTunes reviews, and maybe we can read a couple of those at the end of the episode. Maybe Um, the best iTunes review can get our copy, an autographed copy of the silver chair. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations. Um, Okay, so let's talk... The Silver Chair. This is, as far as we're concerned, this is book six, chronologically speaking, of yes. the Chronicles of Narnia. So we've got one more book to go after this, and then we'll be all finished. Uh, so here's my three-paragraph intro. Luckily, they are three short paragraphs. Eustace, who we remember from the last book, and Jill attend school in a Pink Floyd song, which isn't nearly as relaxed as you might think. They're chased by bullies right into Narnia, where Aslan sets, sets them on a quest to find a lost prince. It's Caspian's son. I think his name is Jeffrey, maybe. Uh, Aslan gives Jill four steps to memorize that will guide them on their quest. Neither she nor Eustace take these steps very seriously, and they pretty much screw them all up immediately. Pre- what I don't know what I just said. Um, I'm that's about right. Yeah, I'm. I'm maybe. I don't. I feel like I'm a couple drinks in, but whatever. <laughs> except, step away from the muddy bike. Except for the last step, which was apparently the only one that mattered, because that's how they find Jeffrey the Prince. Prince. Uh, he's been taken prisoner by the witch who killed his mother. But once the Wonder Kids set him free, he kills her, goes back to Narnia, and reclaims his throne. And there was much rejoicing. Yay! Yay. Uh, so that's the silver chair. I so. I mentioned this on our take one, but I do want to bring this up again because I feel like this is a salient point. 
If you had asked me before we started our Narnia series to recap each of these books, I would have been able to do each book to varying degrees, except for the silver chair. I had no memory of this story. And I'll be honest, in about 48 hours, I'm going to have very little memory of it again. Yeah. But what do you guys think? Is, was it the same for you? First time I'd read it. I, I couldn't tell you the silver chair from the porcelain throne. There you go. <laughs> no. You're really um, proud of yourself wow. for crafting that one. <laughs> I waited 10 minutes to say it. No. Um, but yeah, I hadn't read this one. It was the one I hadn't read in school. And I, I mean, this was the first time I'd read it. And it was just as hard to get through this time as I imagined it would have been that time. Yeah. I, I think this one, this is the first book that I would say steps entirely away from what you are used to mm -hmm. in the sense of we don't have the Pevensey children. We don't have that connection to Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which for most people is their entry point and their connection to this series as a whole. Sure. Um, and so unless you have invested yourself in Narnia um, and, and this series as a whole, this one might not be the one that connects with you the most. And it's for like your main character, actually he, like your secondary character, Eustace. He's, he's primary, but secondary. Um, is not a character that you really enjoyed in the last book or that you really care <laughs> right. about. Like, and well, and the thing is, so Lewis makes a point in Don Treader to say like, okay, so after Eustace's whole dragon episode, the whole repentance thing, it's not like he was a completely new person. He just had a, a, a better outlook, right? right? So he was a little bit less annoying and whatnot, but he still had Eustacey moments. <laughs> and what that tells you is that like, no, this is still somebody you wouldn't really want to hang out with. Turns out that's true, yeah. <laughs> right? Because through this book, he's definitely not the same Eustace that we meet at the beginning of Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Right. But all the same, he's pretty annoying. He's still a wad. Like, he's still... Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the thing is, he's he's even more boring now. He, I mean, they've taken away all the things that made him remotely compelling and just made him kind of dull. I yeah. shouldn't say they. It's all C.S. Lewis, but... You know. <laughs> yeah. It's not so like are you using Bay with a capital T because it was the it was the Ken, imperial Ken's a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah. But anyway, and what about Jill? What do we think of Jill? Is she a decent protagonist? See, my my biggest complaint with this, I actually this story, while very simple um, and very much inside the formula of what we've seen thus far, I really I did I actually didn't mind the story. I just didn't care for the the two for Jill and Eustace because. Yeah they aren't the sort of they're not people that i like they're kind of bratty children yeah um even for you supposedly having gone through that the amount of times they were constantly immediately at each other's throats and kind of bickering and everything i was like oh my gosh i can i get off this journey like i know you guys go ahead like i i want to see this story fulfilled but i want two other people to be the ones chasing you chasing down <laughs> yeah Jeffrey, can, or, yeah, can Edmund and Lucy come what, back, what please? What is the prince's name? I read the whole freaking book. Rillian. 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 Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's go with Jeffrey, though. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer Jeffrey. It's easier to remember. Um, I didn't have a college roommate named Rillian, so it's harder for me to remember. Uh, okay. What else What else uh, do we want to mention with those two? Or do we want to talk about our third protagonist, the... <clears throat> Marsh Wiggle. The Marsh Wiggle. <laughs> is uh, that another thing that kind of is a point against this book where it's like, nah, I loved it. <laughs> I, I like him. I was annoyed with him at first. I ended up liking him in the end. But just the term Marsh Wiggle yeah. kind of feels like uh, C.S. Lewis jumping the shark. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's like, I don't even care anymore. I'm going to name a character a Marsh Wiggle this, as this, you guys. This book through the entire thing, it, it made me realize two things. One, it is, it is wildly out of time for a names of things that sound uh, like double entendres now because everything does these days. Sure. And, and two, the way he, he writes Jill, it just feels like an old man writing about a girl in the 1950s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I got a, I got a, a fun little kick, a 2018 kick out of reading the part where um, they're trying to get out of the giant's castle mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. their entire task is to be gay for an entire day <laughs> that was the one um and uh and he actually uses the phrase he says that jill makes love with yep. all of these different people and things throughout the castle which obviously means something else but i'm I, you know i'm 13 at heart and so i definitely chuckled and it it was pretty funny that was it's one, one of those the, things that i think if if he could see into the future and realize he'd probably like oh, i should mm, that's not gonna that's not gonna last outside of this this you know a couple decades okay right 
Maybe maybe another term would work. <laughs> that was one of the. Those were two of the examples I point. I wrote down. It's like made love to the giants, and he gate all the things all the way out. And like so. All right, but I, I do think that this feeds into a somewhat interesting point, which is how do you write a book that not only makes an impression but lasts more than a generation? And like, it, so is the silver chair. Is this hurting the silver chair as far as people of our generation and other generations wanting to read it and enjoy it? And like, because because this is definitely language wise, this is the least accessible of the six that we've read. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing where it's like, you know, it'll make you giggle in 2018. Who knows what it'll be in 50 years if, you know, if things will change again. Um, but also he uses a lot of um a lot of old English words in here. So the the witch is the what the woman of the the green kirtle or something like that. Yeah, the I, I can't remember the, exactly the the uh, title, but a kirtle is like an old Germanic word um, meaning like yeah, skirt or the something. The green kirtle, which is yeah. So oh, the it's lady a, of the green kirtle. The yeah. lady of the green kirtle. A kirtle being a woman's gown or petticoat. Right. And it's like no nobody uses that word nobody knows it mm-hmm. and it's fine if you want to put words in but he does it quite a bit through this one um the the Etten's Moor is the yeah. land that they travel through to get to the giant city and Etten being an old english word for giant for giants yeah yeah and, uh, and a more of course in the swamp. yeah so uh, you know there's a lot of that. I, I hesitate to say that that is a point against the book. I'm just saying that um, it may make it slightly less accessible than something like uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which is extremely kid-friendly. Yeah. It's like, wh- what's the most difficult word you run into? Fawn. Like, oh, wait, what's a fawn? Or well, like, nobody knows what Turkish delight is anymore, so you maybe you have to explain that. But, except Todd. Except Todd. I don't want to talk about him. I might, <laughs> I might argue that... Um, that might be more so because Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe has actually had a had an effect on society and culture, cultural development because it's something that is a little more accessible over time. Sure. Whereas Silver Chair hasn't been. So it, I don't know if it's necessarily that it has lasted or if it has been part of the formation of what we know now. And so we're more attuned to it because it's been part of what True. we're familiar with growing up. Yeah, I am. Um... I'd be interested, I guess, I'm not going to yet, but I'd be interested to go back and read The Line of the Witch in the Wardrobe after The Silver Chair and say, like, okay, what's changed in his writing style? I don't know if the language from uh, from Line of the Witch in the Wardrobe is fresh enough for me to really compare the two, but mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see. Uh, what do you guys want to talk about, Silver Chair? What notes did you bring? Because I know you've got a ton. This is, a, this is just a packed, packed book. Right. Pages, pages and pages of notes. I, uh, I still went into this as I went into all of these Chronicles of Narnia books, looking at it from the perspective of a kid hearing this from a grandfather or something to that effect. Because that's basically what these are, children's stories that he's telling to his kids, his, his uh, nieces, nephews, his grandkids, whatever. And, and so he throws in things that I think would be effective storytelling to, to kids like like the distance they travel for example when they they go down the hole they, they escape harfang the giant city and uh-huh. go down the hole and they they go through these dark tunnels and um jill's afraid of she's a little claustrophobic you know and, and afraid to go in this dark um tunnel where she's afraid she's going to get out and, and then they go across the lake and it takes forever uh, according to them to get through the lake you like you feel like you're never going to get off this boat and tr- in truth it's probably like a 20 minute journey you know if if you look at it but but he writes it in there so that you see it from a, a perspective of a kid that this is forever these are the worst things ever this is everything is exaggerated as a kid might do it okay which i thought was was a good point of this book i don't want to say everything was bad and and no know, no, no no not at all I, this, as far as I'm concerned, this is the weakest installment so far. But that doesn't make it a bad book, right. Necessarily, it's just every everything is comparative, right? And so we're reading the the Narnia series. But right. if we were to put this up against a lot of other children's books of this length, I'm guessing this would stand up pretty well. If it's I think it's just something that we do as a society right now because every time a Marvel movie comes out, every time a Pixar movie comes out, or whatever, it's 
where does this fit in terms of the best of uh, series here? And we do uh, this with all of our book series, everything. Where does this sit with this book series? Is it the best? Well, who cares? It's different. And is it the weakest? Is it not? That's subjective. I, I honestly, as simple as this was, and as much as I don't care for Eustace, um, I had, I enjoyed this one a little bit more than I enjoyed, um, horse and his boy, horse and his boy. Yeah. Um, but I, I can't really speak to the strength of the book itself. Yeah. That may just be personal aesthetic. Cause I preferred horse and his boy. And it may be that I enjoyed talking horses and kind of long sandy journeys and over long walks over the, the, uh, the marshy kind of dank grody giant journey of this one. Well, and the cold, oh, the cold, but this one felt very much like the action, the, the, the action adventure story of the Chronicles of Narnia to me. I don't know if really for, well, in, in terms of, okay, we've got a task, we got to go, we've got action going. We are meeting people. We're getting into pickles since we're using fifties, you know, (laughs) vernacular, we're getting into a pickle with the giants and we have to get out of it and we have to, you know, we have to sneak by the 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 old cook giant who whatever fell you do whatever you do don't go into uh, Mr. Withers' backyard yeah. yeah whatever I feel like this book and I haven't I haven't taken the time to really piece this together with each book so far but I feel like each book has dealt with a to a certain extent a singular concept um, in a way for children to understand it and, and deal with it in terms of the villains uh, interaction with them yeah. this one I feel like was atheism it was him, oh really can it, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Because she basically says that Aslan is, uh, he's fake, you know, and she gives this whole monologue about, you know, you can't make any, like nothing, all these things that you make believe, you're all, they're just copies from the real world so that you can try and make something bigger mm-hmm. and better. Right. And you should be, you should give up, you know, the, the real world is the world that I live in, that I have, and you should give all this up, give all, give all these um, play world things up. And go ahead and just realize what reality is. Right. I'm here. I'm powerful. I, you know, I can help you or hurt you or whatever. Exactly. That's a really good point. And the thing is, is we get the, the response from the best character in there. um, (laughs) The Marsh Wiggle. Piggle Wiggle or whatever. Puddle Wumper. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really know. Puddle Glum. Puddle Glum. Thank you. Who, at the very first time you meet him, seems like the most dull, I can't make a decision on everything. I, I want to talk about that real quick, and then I want to get back to your atheism point. So hold okay. that thought. When we meet P- P- Puggle, Puddle Glum, Puddle Glum, Puggle Wumper, <laughs> something. Uh, Puddle Glum the, war- the Marsh Wiggle. <laughs> Good Lord. These are different than Sanderson books. Uh, so when we meet him, his shtick, his thing is that he's gloomy. He's gloomy about everything. The glass is always half empty. He's uh, very cynical and pessimistic. Um, when when he's first brought up, I thought, oh, this is delightful. This is very funny. This is great. And then it wasn't so much. And it reminded me of. Um, uh, do you know Kristen Schaal, the comedian? Yeah. She's kind of yeah. having a moment in the last five years or so. Uh, but anyway, she she used to do a stand-up bit with a, a stand-up partner that she had where they would do this song, and it was featured on um, Radiolab, and that's how I heard about this. They would do this song, and it was Kristen Schaal is a horse, Kristen Schaal is a horse. Look at her dance, look at her go, Kristen Schaal is a horse. And they would, and this guy would sing it like 50 times while she was on stage, maybe more. Mm-hmm. And the idea was when you first hear it and you see her dancing around, it's funny. And then it keeps going and it gets really annoying. And then it makes you really angry. But then if you keep going long enough, it's funny again. Uh-huh. And when it gets back to that phase, it's the it's funnier than anything you could imagine, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what's going on with Puddle Glumper is um, he... What's his name? Puddle Glum? Puddle Glum. Puddle Glum is... Uh, yeah, he's really annoying and then... Or sorry, he's delightful. Then he's really annoying. Then I want to murder him in his sleep. And then I find him really delightful, delightful again. Looking. In the end, I'm like, no, you're you're awesome. Mm-hmm. So I think part of the problem with why it gets that way so much with him is because your other two characters are essentially the same. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just less charming about it. Yeah. And they don't have the joy of being a fantasy character that you can be like, oh, well, they have webbed hands. At least they've got that going for them. No, they're just <laughs> really annoying bratty children. Um, and they don't get any better. 
They just not really. they continue I'm not, along. Yeah, that path. I'm not sure that they do. Usually, like in the um, <clears throat> in the final scene, so Aslan always show, seems to show up in the beginning, and then he might teach a lesson in the middle of the book, and then he has like a little outro at the end of a Narnia book where he's like, "And here's the moral of the story, children," right. and that's fine. Um, but in this one, it's like. And now it's time to go home. And it's like, Aslan, what did we learn today? Shut up. I'm busy. <laughs> it was more along, more along you, the lines of... You figure it out, you little brat. It'd be like getting to the end of a Reading Rainbow episode in the Varbert and be like, just take my word for it. <laughs> it was more along the lines of, you two learned nothing. Go home. I, <laughs> this, was a, this was a mistake this was to bring you back. <laughs> I miss Peter. <laughs> well, and, and, and the big moment that they share is, is they have their moment at the bed it's like good luck jill nice to see you eustace you know and they use their first names each other's first names and that's supposed to be the moment you know like mm -hmm. all right i guess yeah uh, and then they got married i don't know did we did we actually finish your atheism point ryan or do you want to go on with that not really but it's uh that's kind of what she ends up representing as, as she's calling them out um and trying to showcase that she still has the prince in her power and, mm -hmm. and everything. Um, but Puddle Glum is the one who actually fights, basically fights her off in the sense of his monologue, his response, right. and then putting out the fire, which takes out her, which takes her power. And I actually, it's probably, if you only take one section from the book, his monologue is the one quote section to, to take from this and walk away with. Yeah. Um, he says, one word, ma'am, he said, coming back from the fire, limping because of the pain. One word, all of you've been saying is quite right. I shouldn't wonder. I'm a chap who has always liked to, who always liked to know the worst and then put the best face I can on it. Like, okay, we do that sometimes. Like, I, I want to know the reality, but then I'm going to make it as good as possible. Sure. So I won't deny any of what you have said, but there is one thing more to be said even so. Suppose we have only dreamed or made up all those things, trees and grass and sun and moon and stars and Aslan himself. Suppose we have. Then all I can say is that in that case... The made-up things seem a good deal more important than the real ones. There's more to that there, but I absolutely, I love that concept So, okay, right will you read the last line for me again? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to step back a little bit. Suppose we have only dreamed or made up all those things, trees and grass and sun and moon and stars and Aslan himself. Suppose we have, then all I can say is that in that case, the made-up things seem a good deal more important than the real ones. Okay, so it's kind of a kind of an attack on nihilism, in a way. A little bit, right? You can, yeah, a little bit there. Um, but this is something that we, as the Legendarium, have really been trying to kind of preach for a while: is the concept that made-up things matter sometimes. Sure. Like it's not necessarily they're more important than the reality, or that the reality isn't the reality. It's that there is value in it and in what it does for people, and sometimes yeah. more value than. The real stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm not saying that going reading Who Moved My Cheese is not worthwhile. <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's a book on business leadership oh. and dealing with change. That's, um, that's why I've never read it. You know, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, things like that. Wonderful books, and I know lots of people who love and they swear by reading only those type of books, and good for them. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. No, but really good for them? Good for them because it helps them. Okay, but but it doesn't help everybody else. About a dozen years ago, every manager was telling their employees to read "Who Moved My Cheese." Yeah, I, right now. Oh, can I just tell you? Right now, at my office, it's this book called. Um, oh shoot, it's about Scrum, which is like a new organization technique. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, what's the book called? I this is how much I don't care. I, <laughs> oh, but but it seems like you know every once in a while there's just like the new thing uh, that everybody is supposed to read. Oh, it's called. Um, the Art of Doing Twice the Work in Half the no, Time? No, no, no. <laughs> well, is that a subtitle? It's Scrum, The Art of Doing Twice the Work in Half the Time by no, Jeff. It's, well, yeah, that, that is one. Oh, it's uh, Radical Candor. That, so that one doesn't have anything to do with Scrum. Okay. But yeah, that one and the Scrum book. But Radical Candor, all about like how to be a dick without actually being a dick in the workplace. It's, it's annoying. I can't tell you, I, I always know when leadership at work has finished a podcast or a book that really yeah. got to them because all of a sudden little emails about it, emails yeah. come up, things change, uh, the way the, the setup of the conference room changes. And you know what? That's okay. That's the purpose of those books is to help engender change and to help you, you know, achieve what you decide is your best you and, and be the most efficient 
at whatever you want to be. The value in fantasy is that you can do all that. And I'm stealing from Brandon Sanderson here. You can do all that and have dragons. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, um, well, and I would, so when I was kind of making fun of the idea of people only reading those uh, cheesy cheese books, the <laughs> business books. Cheesy cheese. Yes. Um, I, I would say the same thing, though, to anybody who's only reading fantasy books. Like, great, but make that, you know, 50, 60% or 70% of your reading material, and that's fine. But you really need to be introducing some other things in there as well. You got to diversify. Right. Got it. Yeah. Got to put, get, get more baskets for them eggs. Yeah. Homies. You, you've got it. You've got to put a percentage into that, you know, literature 401k you know, in, I refuse. in reality, I refuse. I was forced to read seven habits of highly effective teens as a punishment. Oh my, oh my gosh. So was I, it was, um, I was grounded until I finished it. <laughs> That's right. I remember that. I remember that clearly, actually. Fortunately, I was grown up by the time he posted or he published that. So, oh man, I just had to read the first one. So I, when I post the, uh, the silver chair discussion thread, I would like to know some books that other people have read that are just kind of, they can be inspirational and still be really eye rolling fair yeah, mm -hmm. right like seven habits seven habits is definitely one of those things like no there are some gems in here and then you get to some parts where it's just like oh my gosh this is wearying like sharpening the saw uh well that's a great lesson yeah. but anyway um if you're literally sharpening a saw it's a great lesson uh by the way um uh quick tangent into itunes h-town nerd 27 gave us a four-star review first of all how dare you you barely count now uh, but he says yes they're nerdy and yes they go off on tangents all the time but isn't Proving that what you, point right now. <laughs> exactly. exactly but isn't that what you want in a fantasy sci-fi podcast well yes it is and that's why you should have given us five stars jerk every fantasy story has a great side adventure that's all that's all ours are that's right tangents are just side so adventures. if anybody's like why are they talking about business books just just you know lie back and think of england and enjoy <laughs> just it's fine it's fine don't worry about it uh okay so i want to talk let's get back to the silver chair um there's a moment at the beginning of the book when jill meets aslan and i feel like this is the almost the only it seems like the only portion of the book where there are possible things to be learned, uh, lessons to be learned. I, that's an exaggeration, but uh, that's what it felt like to me. But anyway, um, he says, let's see. Uh, the lion seemed to have finish, finished explaining what she was supposed to do. Jill thought she should say something else. So she said, thank you very much. I see. Child, said Aslan in a gentler voice than he had yet used. Perhaps you do not see quite as well as you think. But the first step is to remember. And so he has her repeat the four signs. And I love that concept. And what, uh, what I wrote down when I saw that was um, that obedience is a first principle. And this is, it's, it's a weird thing to think about for people who, like me, are very independent-minded. Uh, but obedience has to be learned before other things can be learned. And it's a really tricky thing because then the question is, what are you being obedient to, right? Um, but obedience comes before understanding. And I think this is applicable. Again, you know, we could write a freaking business book about this. Like you have to learn how to be a good employee before you can learn how to be a good boss, right? Right. So, you know, that kind of thing. But I think the same thing would extend to family life. Like you start as a child and you need to learn how to be obedient to your parents before you can truly come to understand what it is that they're trying to do for you uh, as parents, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Right. Anyway, uh, do you want to talk about that or are there other lessons that you got from this book? While we're right here, I let's talk about the four, the four signs for a second. Sure. He, he gives her the four signs and if, if Lewis was a Catholic, I would have called it a catechism. Yeah. But. Gives them the gives her the catechism, but um, she we're, we're under the impression up until the very end that that they blew all the signs, right? They did, but I don't think they did. Okay, go ahead, Ken. All right, so the first the first sign: as soon as the boy Eustace sets foot in Narnia, he will meet an older, old and dear friend. He must greet that friend at once. If he does, you will both have good help. So we we're led to believe that's 
that's uh, Caspian, right? Who he doesn't meet. Caspian goes off, and we think, okay, he didn't meet his, meet an old friend, and help is is blown. But he meets Trumpkin, who is an old friend, and he and and they get. Well, good. no, he never met Trumpkin. Didn't they go back to the castle and he met Trumpkin? Uh, and at the end so. of, uh, I don't know. He never he never stepped foot in Narnia. That's true. They, they left from the. So islands. your point is ruined. You can my go point, on if you want, but I'm just going to make fun of it. My point is moo. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, they do they do have good help in the terms of a uh, uh, puddlewuggle. What's his name? You know so, the name. Puddle I get Thank to you. be the one who doesn't know the name. I'm the grumpy old man today, Ken. Okay. You, the, you can and moment, I will get off your lawn. There is a moment in here that they try that where it is tried to be explained as to the overarching lesson of these four pieces and the fact that they weren't followed. Um, they actually say it says Aslan's instructions always work. There are no exceptions. But how to do it now? That's another matter. They're dealing with the fact that you know what we missed at the time when we were supposed to do them. But the fact is, is they're still applicable. They're still applicable. Yeah. They still matter. So you still just how do you do go about doing it now? Um, the reason we automatically shut them out is like we can't do these anymore is because the time window that we understand them to be when they're supposed closed. to happen is yeah. closed. Um, but how often is that the case in any book, movie, whatever, that you realize this prophecy or whatever it is can still be fulfilled. It's just it wasn't in the time frame that you imagined it was going to be. I, I can't believe I'm, I'm actually saying this, but I actually feel like I want to go back and look into this book again, and which is crazy, but I, there's got to be somewhere in there because the other three, I, the, the second sign, you must journey out of Narnia till the north till you come to the city of the ancient giants, which they did. And then you shall find writing on a stone at the ruined city and you must do what the writing tells you. And the, they found the writing on the stone, the under me and so they went under and then the fourth one you'll know the lost prince if you find him by this he'll be the first person you have met in your travels who will ask you to do something in my name in the name of aslan which which the the prince does prince jeffrey does so he's the first person that they meet that says you know in the name of aslan you got to get me out of this chair true you know mm -hmm. true so so i'm wondering if there's something in there but but we're we're led to believe that the signs were all blown but i don't think they were so anyway, i'm kind of that's i'm kind of interested because and it's a little fuzzy to me at the moment. Um, when they find the prince, initially when he's telling them about what he's going on, it's not, he's not speaking as a captive. Right. Right. He's just kind of explaining his story. Like I have to be put in this chair because I turn into this. And so I'm, I'm kind of curious as to if there's supposed to be any sort of symbolism or storytelling here where the fact that he actually does say this in the name of Aslan kind of circumvents the his initial storytelling if that makes any sense wait what? well basically what i'm saying is that it, the fact that he asked him to do something in the name of aslan allows him to tell the truth versus just telling his story and then because they they wouldn't have known it was the prince until they didn't know it was the prince until that moment right but at that moment he was in a lucid moment because it, it, the way it worked is he was under that's the what i'm spell, saying is, so. it, is that lucidity because he was saying something in the name of aslan and it's a very big deal in especially in christianity to do something in the name of right. christ, christ or, in, or god whatever so I, I think i think it was the other way around in this i i not to say no because I, I don't know i mean it could be but i i think i read it as he's in his lucid moment and so he evokes the name of aslan and rather than it's not the cause of it's just taking advantage of yeah it's like i've got my wits about me here's what? my safe word <laughs> right get me out of this chair <laughs> Armageddon. Um, can you untie these please <laughs> uh and i Which, think is there is I, I i didn't really think about it very much until just this very second but the symbolism and having to destroy the chair versus just walking away so you, what what's the chair what are we deciding the chair is does that, it represent something literally what i'm trying to come up with right this very second like, yeah the fact the need he was in prison and, and shackled by by this chair i mean i'm, I'm literally pulling this together right now um because he he chases after he chases after his mother's killer i don't know you maybe it's his vengeance or whatever i, I don't know offhand but it that could i'm sure the chair should be symbolic of something and the fact that it had to be destroyed for him to be free mattered. It, it feels like well, it should be symbolic, but I just took it to be he rage smashes the chair. Which so, is the, <laughs> sure, but so. that's the great thing about symbolism, Ken. Right. It can mean more than one thing. <laughs> exactly. Um, would this be a continuation of his uh, Lewis's discussion on repentance? 
And so the chair would be the thing to which we are shackled, right? The thing that we don't want to get rid of. Um, And if we truly want to be free of, um, I guess the witch in this one is Satan again, but a different Satan or whatever. But if we want to be be free from the witches, free from the witches uh, influence, then we have to get rid of that thing entirely. Let's, let's call it the addiction of online gaming. (laughs) Sure. Okay. It could be anything. This was his early, he saw in the future and he was like, (laughs) world of Warcraft needs to be dealt with. I'm riding the silver chair now. Smash the silver computer. Um, I'm really glad that that's not the case because then we would never have gotten that excellent South Park episode. Um, <laughs> that was about one of five episodes I've actually watched. Oh of my South Park. gosh, it's so, it's so great. funny. Um, speaking of symbolism, uh, the story as a whole this is about the kids who come in to Narnia and they're set on a quest to find the lost prince. Does this correlate with any Bible stories that? lewis might be trying to tell like is it the prodigal son or the lost sheep or something along those lines i didn't feel like it did ryan are you ryan's, sexting right now ryan's on it ryan is like really engrossed in his phone he's I've got a ne- face if there's if there's no naked women on there then i've never seen somebody stare so hard at a screen for any other reason <laughs> there's not um no, now I've totally been derailed from <laughs> what you were saying. No, so uh, is this uh, Bible stories? <laughs> Bible stories. Sorry, everybody. Within a matter of three sentences, we went from Bible stories to sexting. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm this, surprised it took that long. <laughs> so leave your five star reviews at iTunes. Um, no, is 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 this story about anything? Yeah, the, it, comparison you know to biblical I mean? to a Bible story, right. or whatever. Um, finding a lost prince. Mm, nothing's coming to mind immediately. Um, you could, if you really wanted to stretch a little bit, this is a wide, the wise men, like that's the closest thing I can come up with finding one of the, the wise men finding the Christ child. Oh, sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. That could, yeah. Uh, um, it, it does a very, I, I feel very like that's yeah, a really then big the, stretch. Christ child is being tied up to a, you know, a sinful chair by <laughs> that is, Satan or like that. that that's really doing your comparison yoga, you know? Yeah. It, um, that's just off my, just my initial thought process. I'm, I'm just going to go run through like Old Testament stories, things like that. I'm going to go with lost sheep on this one. That seems like a safe one to go with. So like the parable that. of the lost sheep, uh, right? The, the uh, shepherd lo- has a hundred sheep and he loses the one and he leaves the 99 to go find the one lost sheep and... Yeah, that, that one is also a stretch because sure. It, well, like, I don't know if there was if an the over... shepherd sent two really annoying kids in a puddle lump to go find <laughs> <laughs> the one that wandered off. Like, yeah, there. I mean, there there are symbolistic moments in it. I mean, you know, symbolistic. Yeah, is that a word? Yeah, is isn't that symbolic? No, maybe yeah, symbolistic. No, nope, I'm going with it. Isn't that Ken like, knows words? That's like a crime drama thing. Like, <laughs> we've got the symbolistic evidence. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I think yes. Anyway, there are symbolic examples of um, symbolism. That wow. Good lord. Okay, stop. I'm, stop I'm talking. walking away. All right. So By Oslan's mane. I swear. <laughs> there are symbolic moments, but I don't know if there's an overarching symbolic okay. story. So. Um, I I don't know that there's a whole ton else that I want to talk about with this. Do you guys have any final silver chair things you want to bring up? The only, oh, go ahead. I, sorry, I'm gonna, I got to find my note on it. That's what I was going to. Oh, not nudity? <laughs> <laughs> no, your Wi-Fi is not good enough for that. Oh, okay. Um, the, the only other one I really had was about the silver chair movie. Oh, oh. Um, let's save that. Yeah, yeah make, that, bring that it up last. So um, let's sit here and watch Ryan. Okay. Okay. No, no, no. It's another... Most of the good moments for me in this came from phrases that were said by um Puddleglum. and they're talking this is towards the beginning after they've met him they, they're talking about the journey they've got to go on and um jill says we've we've got to start by finding a ruined city of giants aslan said so and Puddleglum says got to start by finding it have we answered Puddleglum. not allowed to start by looking for it i suppose yeah i like that line yeah. a lot it's okay how often do we do that like we look at this is what the destination is this is what we have to do or what it is and so we are just why are we not there yet? Like that's what we have to go to and realize that there can be a process to getting there and letting that be the case and put your focus there. You know, anything that you that you're doing that has an end goal, like that you guys have finished to it. You know, building our studio, whatever. Ooh, I bet you that there are some business books that would tell you all about how like um, 
you can make a goal, but you're going to have to break that down into achievable goals. Things right? like tactics yes. or strategies. Business books for the win. <laughs> That's yeah. ne- Next up on the Heaven. Legendarium is, um, uh, is The Art of the Deal by Donald J. Trump. <laughs> Man. I actually think people might listen to us do that. <laughs> oh, I have no doubt. Follow, we do that followed by the, what is the book that just came out? The Fire and Fury and, or, oh, or whatever it was. Yeah, yes. Mike, Michael Wolf. Yeah. Something. We are about to, I'm what? Okay, so anyway, um, that is a good line. Anything you want to say about it? I think I said everything I have to say okay, about great. it. <laughs> just like this book, short, sweet, and to the point, just move on. Yep. Okay, so Ken, there's some movie news. I'm, I personally, I struggle to care about it, but uh, let's yeah, hear just, it anyway. It, it's about all I could find that was interesting to me because <laughs> I, I'm one of like three people who actually enjoyed the first, the, the three Narnia movies, you know, and, and I really I, liked the first one. I, I never saw too. the third one. I, I liked the first one a lot and I, I didn't have as much a problem with the second one as, as you and Todd appeared to. Um, and I liked the third one. I didn't want them to, I wanted them to keep going, but, uh, so they're coming out with apparently a continuation. Now the silver chair is going to be made into a movie mm-hmm. and, um, uh, it's supposed to film in, in 2018 and come out in 2019. Huh. The, the, apparently the, the director, and, well, and, and the producers that, uh, CS Lewis's estate is, is among the producing uh, I would body. Assume so, so yeah. But I'm 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 not talking about like go and produce with my blessing. It's it's actually like they're hands on like writing the script and and helping produce the script. And apparently, one of the uh, non starters was they had to have presumably uh, what's his name Jar 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 Binks. Puddle, yes, <laughs> yeah, right. I Blum. mean, basically Jar Jar Binks, but a little less chipper. Right. They they had to have a Puddle depressed Blum's, Jar Jar uh, Binks. <laughs> that that would have been fantastic. <laughs> Misa just don't care. <laughs> Misa needs a drink. <laughs> exactly. So, but they had to have they had to have a Puddle Glumps hero moment in mm-hmm. in the script. That was a non-starter. Have that in there, or or forget this movie is happening. You know, basically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah. So that's that's going to happen. And apparently, they're targeting uh, Eleven from Stranger Things, Millie Bobby Brown, to be Jill. And I don't know who they're going to get. Jill's to. nose bleed every time she has a thought in this. Yes, mm. her eyes will bleed. Good too. one, Ryan. You make cultural references. <laughs> it's okay. There's three people out there who kind of chuckled a little bit. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> we're two of them. Uh, okay, but yeah. So I, that's about it. I don't know anything else about who would be Eustace or anything. The kid who played Eustace in Don Treader is far too old now. So mm-hmm. um, uh, presumably Liam Neeson would be back to voice Aslan. So. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, there you go. Um, not that anyone. I honestly don't know that anyone would know if you changed the cast of any of those. <laughs> I don't know that they would. Not either. at this point. Not at this point. Um, so. I. You know. I bet though that there are some real, like, really enthusiastic people about those movies. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that they exist. So, um, so somebody will care. Yeah. About the casting. I'm well, sure. it's, it's not the first time that this has been put on screen i mean there was something in 1989 1990 silver chair yeah really yeah wow there was i think they did a whole bunch of them. It was probably like what type of movie British was it exclusive i'm not really sure it's probably <laughs> something that came on you know bbc or something or yeah. public television but um well do we want to stop talking about silver chair we good ryan you good. look like are you you had something else you wanted to say or is it no, on I, a different topic i was actually just kind of curious about this older version of silver chair so i was starting to see what that was well i want to uh i just want to go through a few um itunes reviews because some of them are pretty good um let's see (laughs) this this is a five star review from aratel better be called love these dudes d zero zero ds nice i love I love leaders. Um, slowly working my way through all your episodes, waiting for full Oathbringer review. Excellent commentary and great chemistry. Wow. Well, I don't know how I feel about that, except that I it does remind me of that old Friends episode when uh, Joey says that that's how you can tell if people on stage are sleeping together, because if they have great chemistry, that means they haven't slept together yet. <laughs> so this is how you know that me and Ken are keeping things professional. Is uh, our great chemistry. If we if we have great chemistry, it's... however, Craig and I have spent cold nights in a tent That's... together. <laughs> <laughs> Many tents in our past. Which one of you was Avienda? Oh <laughs> no! Oh no! 
Um, okay. It was not an igloo. I was in, <laughs> on our, on us, our snow cave trip, I was with Nick, and that was totally... <laughs> let me be clear. Um, okay. Uh, there was one other one that I wanted to... Oh, yeah. Uh, Greg, Greg, Greg 13. One of my favorite screen names. <laughs> name so G. nice, you say it thrice. Greg, Greg, Greg 13 calls, it, calls us Nerds on Nerds, which... It, it, Again, you're straying dangerously close to the truth here, Greg, 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 13. Um, says, quality, approachable discussion on sci-fi and fantasy media with a sprinkle of toilet humor. The, cle- the hosts are clearly having a good time. You feel like you're at the table with them. Well, if iTunes allowed me, Greg, 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 13, I would fix this for you. And say no, it is in fact a tinkle of That's good exactly of toilet where humor. I was going. Like yes. You really, you really missed an opportunity on this one. Don't, don't you have the poem? Didn't you have the poem up in your house? If you sprinkle when you tinkle, be a sweetie, wipe the CD. Yeah, <laughs> I've never heard that in my life. That's weird. <laughs> That's why none of us <laughs> had use his friend, bathrooms. Yep, had a friend that lived down the street that had that uh, up above their <laughs> toilet. <laughs> Oh man, I, I'm trying to remember. I know they're they're the 80s. This, was an is our, time. this is definitely our highest end episode. This is good. <laughs> this is yeah. This is what happens when you know. If I were to have a little chat with C.S. Lewis, I'd be like, you know what? You could have made it just a little meatier, made that stew a little <laughs> meatier for Silver Chair because we got nothing to talk about. I don't know if there are any other that I wanted to bring up i know we've already mentioned that this is the crossroads of twilight of fantasy podcasts from pentangled <laughs> which i think is a great review <laughs> um anyway so yeah if you if you want us to read your review on the air i think i, I don't know maybe i would do like the best review of the week if we got any that week mm-hmm. um but i'm only going to read it if it's funny if you're not at least a little bit funny i'm not going to read your review so challenge extended uh, everybody so and I, I read a four star review today but that was really more because it was really germane kind of to the conversation um, for the most part I am not going to read your review if it's four stars how dare you how, how dare, dare you, you? Um, so yeah we have we have 58 five star reviews so far on iTunes I want to get that up to 100 so everybody needs to help me out be witty be funny and uh, let us have it. It's fine. As long as you put five stars, you can say whatever you want. Um, and it's fine. This seems like a good business practice. There's probably a book out there somewhere that's going to tell us not to do this. <laughs> Don't this feels care. like a safe idea. Um, all right. So are, are we good? Is there anything else we want to talk about today? Or should this is going to be a little bit shorter episode? Wow. You good, Ryan? Yeah, I'm good. All right. What are people going to do with the rest of their commute? Well, um, if you're still commuting, then uh, what? Well, let me ask you guys. What do you listen to besides the legendary? <laughs> what do you listen to? What what podcasts are you on right now? Or not on, but what are you listening to right now? Um, when I'm not listening to a book, um, I usually listen to Hello from the Magic Tavern. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, you like that one? I love that one so much. Um, if you have an issue with language or crude talk, sometimes <laughs> I will not recommend it to you because they do strain to that, but it's a wonderful podcast. Um, that's all about fantasy and improv. Oh, nice. So, okay. Listening to, uh, crushing through the writing excuses podcast right now. Oh, Sanderson, Sanderson and co and yeah, Dan Wells and, uh, Mary Robinette and Howard Taylor and, and then a cast of, you know, changing characters yeah. as they go. So um i i listen to so one of my favorite things is i I read a ton of uh online political material uh but my favorite we know yeah i know you know uh but my favorite thing is when the writers that i really enjoy do podcasts that are not politically motivated and so for instance um there are a few writers from the weekly standard and uh washington free beacon and they do a uh podcast called the weekly substandard and it is off the charts funny and it's basically just a pop culture podcast and they talk about you know movies and and whatnot but uh the guys on it are hilarious and they're very colorful personalities and one of them can't stop talking about his premium watches that he loves to wear you know (laughs) just like kind of off the wall stuff so i would recommend that one a lot Um, willing to check that out yeah so anyway that that's kind of the stuff i like to listen to the other uh, ones the other ones i give time to are uh, the adam carolla podcast oh sure if you uh, if you don't like language don't listen to that one <laughs> and <laughs> just like language in general like salty uh, let's go with yeah. 
it's Adam Carolla. Crude, yeah. Sure. And uh, at the Bill Simmons podcast, he does some pop culture stuff interspersed with sports, which I'm all about. So There you go. Um, all right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, sorry that uh, we <laughs> didn't have more than 30 minutes of material today, apparently. Uh, we'll but, try harder next time. Yeah, well, well. Next, next time is the, is the last battle. Uh, so we're Oathbringer is in two weeks. Next week is the last battle. Is, is it the last battle or the final battle? The last, the last battle. battle. Yeah. And, well, uh, and don't forget our Chronicles of Narnia wrap-up show. Uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's not a thing. Oh, is that only for Oathbringer? Yeah. Oh. So, um, yeah, I can't guarantee that we'll try harder next time, but it should have at least a little more material. As I recall, the last battle is a little more interesting to read. Than I have it on good authority was. that there's fighting. So... Uh, yeah, we will get there. Thank you, everybody, for going to thelegendarium.reddit.com and joining in the conversation there and going to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show. And don't forget, go to iTunes and search The Legendarium. It's very easy to find us. We're not the Russian one. Uh, <laughs> you can go we find... We already have someone ripping us off in Russia? <laughs> We've made it. I, I, so my brother speaks Russian. I need to get him to listen to that and tell me what the heck it is. Uh, what if it was? What if we had Russian uh, ripoff artists? I, I really don't think that's the case, <laughs> that but would that be would awesome. be amazing. I I would love that. I mean, we've pushed for a long time to try and get a following in Japan so that we can wear shirts that say we're big in Japan, big in Japan and, sure, sure. and sing that song. But you know, I'll, Russia, wherever. I'll, yeah. Can we get like I'm big in the UK or like I'm big in Sweden? They are yeah. big in Russia. Um, I can tell you for sure that I am big in most of Europe just compared to Europeans. Pretty, pretty big dude. Uh, okay. Thanks everybody. And leave those five-star reviews, make them funny, make them awesome. And, uh, we will talk to you next time. Have a good one. Bye.